Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Taking Care of Business podcast. This is Dan Trottencheck, and we are sitting here in the worldwide Taking Care of Business podcast headquarters, and spring has sprung. The birds are chirping, and uh, everything is beginning to bloom, which we know is prime time for home improvement retailers. And what better time to bring in a guest to the Taking Care of Business podcast who is going to talk about one of our longstanding programs here here at uh, NHPA uh, that that she just informed me. I was thinking it's one of those things where I was like, wow, Top Guns, when did we start that? That has to be seven or eight years ago. And she's like, Dan, it's, it's 16 years. And so 16 years, our Top Gun program has been running at NHPA. And I invited our uh, managing editor, Melanie Mowell, who has been running the program for about the last five of those years, to come in and talk with us a little bit about this year class of Top Guns, the history of the program. And I got her here by telling her that we were going to actually be dis- discussing the new Tom Cruise movie, Top Gun Maverick, which is uh, appearing in uh, cinemas across the United States very soon here. But uh, Not sponsored. Not, not sponsored, but we can hope. Uh, <laughs> we can hope. Uh, they can just send us a check for that mention, I guess. Melanie, welcome to the program. What's going on? Thanks, Dan. Uh, I will not hurt your feelings more by telling you how old I was 16 years ago. <laughs> yes. You would have been, I, I, well, I was going to, I was going to say like in fourth grade or something, but that's probably no. a little bit, yeah, a little bit, nothing. but anyway, well, I was old enough to uh, be here at NHPA when uh, the Top Guns program was launched some 16 years ago. And in that time we had had, we have had dozens of uh, representatives within the Top Guns program and, uh, and uh, the program has kind of evolved over the years, but kind of the original intent of the program still kind of remains the same, even after you've been running it for five years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the Top Guns program, you know, if, if I can tell people the, the essence of the program you founded, Dan. Uh, <laughs> well, so... I guess I guess what I would say is having run the program or managed you know this this program over the last few years, um, it's a really it's a really great way to see all the diversity that exists in this industry and to, like to celebrate the people who are truly innovating and and making really core investments in the future of the independent channel. So hopefully we've we've been able to maintain that. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to point out because you and I were discussing this before we got on here that the industry has changed a lot in. Mm-hmm. 16 years. And one of the reasons we started the program was because we found ourselves, uh, you know, at that point in, in, in time, having to have this conversation with a lot of people, particularly on kind of the vendor side or analysts who looked at the home improvement market in the United States. And all they wanted to talk about was big boxes. All they wanted to talk about was Home Depot and Lowe's and Menards. And there seemed to be this kind of pervasive thought that the only successful businesses in home improvement are are the big boxes. And innovation is only really coming out of the big boxes, isn't it? So that's really why we even started Top Guns was to really showcase some of the leading independent retailers in this industry and say, whoa, 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 no, wait, wait. There is a lot of innovation coming out of the independent side of the uh, of the landscape. And uh, independent retailers are doing really exciting things and they're finding a lot of success. And it was also to try and show that exactly what you were saying is it's a pretty broad palette when you talk about independent retailers. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people would use, and it's not a it's not at all a derogatory term, but a lot of people, and they still do, would use the term, you know, 
know, mom and pop stores. And I think it had kind of a certain connotation to it that, you know, this is a small business with dusty shelves that are run by a husband and wife and they're the only employees. And we also kind of wanted to say there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a lot of businesses like that that are successful in this in this market. But there's also a lot of really progressive, innovative operations out there that are really pretty big. I mean, they're not Home Depot big, sure. but they're really big, really successful, progressive operations. So we wanted to say, who are the top guns in this industry? Who are the kind of people that are moving the needle and buzzing the tower, as it were, uh, for independent home improvement retailers? And, and we wanted to sh- uh, throw the spotlight on them. And so we, we've been doing it really kind of in concert with our all industry conference uh, mm-hmm. over the last 16 years as well. And, and that is typically, as most people might know at this point, we typically hold that in conjunction with the National Hardware Show, which just was here recently out in Vegas, yeah. where, where we got to have this year's class of Top Guns. Yeah. So did that paint the picture accurately, you think? I think so. I think so. Um, I think the one thing I'll add is that uh, it's it's possible to be uh, a quote mom and pop and a Top Gun. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, yeah. all all three of of the operations we're recognizing today in this you know in this conversation and that we gave awards to at the show. Um, you know, they all started as family businesses, and and two of them are still operated by the same founding families. So, uh, I you know I don't you know I don't want to discount that you know families are are still a core part of of this industry. Right. And I think it's something like 90 percent of the businesses in this industry are family businesses. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, very important distinction. So, Melanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about this year's class of Top Guns? And, sure. And having got to see this out at the show, it was a fantastic class that you guys picked. Well represented kind of 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 the different types of, of operators out there, but also also just really interesting dynamic characters. Yeah, so the the first Top Gun honoree this year is Stacy Pavona. Yeah. She is a vice president of Nebraska Operations and Marketing for Builders. Um, and and when you want to you want to talk about diversity, Builders on its own is such a dynamic business. Um, so they have their retail side which is, you know, the core of their business is about 90% contractor. Yeah. Um, but their retail stores serve uh, those pros and then they brought in quite a bit of retail business over the last couple of years um, in their Kearney location, which is which is the, the flagship business. They have a comprehensive design center that they're in the process of renovating. Um, they also do countertop and cabinet fabrication. They do truss manufacturing. Um, and they also have a pro sales division in Colorado. Um, so the business was founded by uh, Stacy's father, Myron Anderson, in 1977. Um, and they've just kind of been growing ever since. One thing, we, we had the opportunity to talk with Myron when we went out to visit. Yeah. Yeah. the store and he was saying that their first delivery truck was was a World War II era <laughs> era truck um, and so uh, it's really it was really great to have that opportunity to talk to him and then learn from Stacy kind of all of these um, investments they're making so like I said this design center they're they're uh, redoing at the Carney location um, Already, you can go to builders and get literally everything you need for a ground up build or a complete renovation. But this design center they're putting in is really going to key in on that that kind of design focused uh, homeowner so they can come into this space. And it's almost like 
they have this this concept that's almost like a spa entry where you come in you can get a drink you have an appointment with your designer and they've dedicated space to designers just independent designers in the community so they have offices and meeting rooms um and and it's just a really cool comprehensive space um and that location is sixty-seven thousand square feet Mm. um the whole space and recently as part of this renovation they put up a wall um and then they one of one of the trends we've kind of seen recently is lowering the shelves. Right, fix your height too. Yeah. yeah, and so when you walk in, you can see all the way to the back of the store. Um, and as Stacy was saying, we we closed off some of that sixty seven thousand square feet, but people came in and said, "Oh, you made it bigger." Oh yeah. Huh. Um, so like I said, they're still in the process of that renovation, but we're definitely gonna have to bookmark a revisit when it's done um but stacy is really um is really focused on you know highlighting the kind of the fashion side of home improvement and and making builders like the space for people to come to get all of the like the home design solutions yeah and it's nice to i mean stacy brings a lot of energy to that group too and and she's really dynamic and uh, you know, folks that follow Hardware Retailing Magazine and so on might have seen builders come up in the past because we've actually used some of them, uh, some of what they're doing in various stories throughout the years because mm-hmm. they always seem to be innovating. And that's an interesting space that the 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 kind of more pro focused, remodeler focused uh, companies that sometimes can get tagged with, you know, they're you know they're there but they're not doing a lot of innovative stuff. Well, Builders is definitely a company that's that's trying new things and really kind of trying to evolve that model so so great selection there yeah yeah it was really great to be able to visit and i guess i could just say this about about everything this was this was one of the first opportunities we've had in a while sure to be able to visit all the top gun stores um to get our photos and our videos and and, you know kind of meet the people before we bring them together um at, at the conference and so it was really great to be able to see everything in action um and you know see that that space and and kind of how they're improving it investing in it Excellent. So we got to stay. Who's next? <laughs> Who is next? Uh, next, we have Elliot Greenberg. Elliot, he is yes. <laughs> the president and CEO of JC Licht. Um, so JC Licht was founded in the Chicago area in 1907 by mm. the Licht family. So like I said, all of these businesses have family roots. Um, the Licht family operated the business until uh, the 2000s, late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Benjamin Moore actually purchased the the company and ran it for about a decade and, a little, and some change. Um, and then Benjamin Moore realized they wanted to exit the retail space. Yeah. So they were looking for a, you know, a, a, a focused, experienced paint retailer who could come in and purchase the operation. Um, and that person was Elliot Greenberg. Yeah. Um, so Elliot has a history in paint. His his family operated um, a business that served contractors in uh. Long Island, New Jersey. Um, and he said he didn't ever plan necessarily <laughs> to work in that space. He thought that he would go to college and maybe become a sports agent or an FBI agent, which are two very <laughs> yeah. different types of well, agents. Maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he ended up working for his family business for uh, about a decade. And then he had an opportunity to move on to um, a big organization called Rings End in right, Connecticut. Sure. Great so, operation. Still to this day, great operation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he 
uh, was brought in to help them start up their paint segment. Yeah. Um, and over the course of 20 years or so, um, he was able to grow the paint segment and he had the opportunity to do a bunch of different operations management things. Um, and then in 2014, this opportunity to buy JC Licht came up and he felt so well prepared, he said, from his experience at Ring's End and all the opportunities he had there, that it was just the next logical step for him. Yeah. Um, and so I think anybody who's familiar with the JC Licht brand kind of equates it with growth. Oh my gosh, um, So yeah. when Elliot came in, they had 29 stores. So that was 2015. And today they have 57 stores and growing. And I'll just tell you, I've known Elliot for quite, quite a while now. And he is, it's hard not to get excited about the business when you're talking to Elliot, because he's one of the, those guys that is so excited about growing, so excited about his operation. Yeah. Um, and he's such a character that it's hard to not get fired up when you're talking to Elliot. He he should if he leaves his career at uh, JC Lick someday he could be a great motivational speaker because he it's hard not to start focusing on how you could do better when you're when you're listening to Elliot. Yeah, he you know if if there's somebody out there who loves the paint business more than Elliot, I haven't met them yet. Yeah. So and, and also it's interesting because now um, uh, as as. We'll learn as we get into hearing from some of our top guns in a minute here is that that Elliot has set his sights on growing kind of outside of the traditional paint model, sure. too. So an interesting uh, anywhere he could grow, he's growing. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yep. So they uh, included in that 57 stores is 10 hardware stores. Right. So they've, they've entered that space. Excellent. So. And. Who's rounding out this year's Finally. group? Yeah, we got a local boy. We local do. boy done well. We do. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the final Top Gun honoree this year is Pat Sullivan. Yeah. He's the president of Sullivan Hardware and Garden, which is, like you said, Dan, uh, right here in Indianapolis. Um, and Sullivan, when you when you uh, come to work for NHPA, Sullivan's is kind of like that <laughs> yeah. that operation that you say, oh, have you been to Sullivan's? And right. Everybody's like, oh yeah, totally. And I'm like, okay, that's who we represent. Yeah. Um, and if there's if there's one thing you learn after talking to Pat is that he has so much fun doing what he yeah. does. Um, so when I say hardware and garden. It's so much more than hardware and garden. Um, so he's got three retail stores in the Indianapolis area, and he just acquired a lawn and garden center in early 2020. Um, so he's up to four locations. Um, the business was founded by his dad in 1954. And they, you know, Pat says when he took over the business in 1989, his dad retired in 1990, Pat thought, you know, we can do this forever. We can be a core hardware yeah. store forever. And then a uh, big box store came right. in a mile down the road and he kind of kind of stopped him in his tracks. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, if, you, if you were familiar with... Uh, one main attraction at Sullivan's. Um, and he said, we need to do this differently. We need to focus right. on on kind of five core um, segments in order to compete with big boxes. You know, even if that means, you know, we won't necessarily be people's first choice for hardware. We want to be the hardware store people come to to look for something fun and look for something different. 
And they've really done that completely over the top. Well, I, I think it's you know interesting that here we are, NHPA based in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we probably have. I mean, I would argue that you could say that Pat Sullivan's store, that's right up near our office here, is one of the finest representations of an independent hardware yeah. store in the country. And you know, someone described Pat, and and I've known Pat. For, for quite a while, too. In fact, most of the people in the Indianapolis area know Pat because he's actually been kind of a local personality. He yeah. hosts it for a long time, a, a very popular radio program and TV program. And and so he's very well known throughout Indianapolis. But um, but someone described him as he's kind of like an event promoter who happens to own some hardware and garden stores. That's so true. And and there is so much that he does that is so big in the community. And you talk about how do you compete against the big boxes? And he could be a case study in that because literally, literally there is a Lowe's uh, within walking distance from his store. Yet if you go to his store on a Saturday. It is going to be just jammed with people who are coming there for the Sullivan's experience. Yeah. And I mean, they're coming there to eat lunch. They're coming. It's one of those few stores that you think about as a home improvement store that people truly make a shopping occasion. They go to there to browse. They go yeah. there to have lunch and browse the store as an afternoon. And yeah. just ask my wife. And <laughs> and um, and a, a truly unique experience that he's created and another great uh, representative for Top Guns. And like you said, it's what a what a difference between the three retailers that, that are on your uh, Top Gun panel this year. Uh, di- all have very different ways of going to market, all have very different philosophies, but all really excellent in their own right. So congratulations on putting together a, a great group of representatives for the industry this year, Melanie. And we are going to actually hear from the from the horse's mouths, if you will. We're going to hear from our Top Gun uh, winners in just a few moments. And so we want you to hang in there and we'll be right back with our Top Gun winners right after these few words from our sponsor. Nearly 200 retailers have asked us to notify them when other retailers decide to sell their businesses. If you're considering options for exiting your business, NHPA's Retail Marketplace can help you find motivated buyers in the industry. Or maybe you are on the other end of the spectrum and you're looking for new opportunities to grow. Sign up for notifications to be among the first to know when retailers decide to sell. Learn more at yournhpa.org marketplace. Stacey, let's start with you. I kind of give everybody a little uh, intro, but tell me about Builders um, and your role in the company and kind of what's been going on over the last couple of years. Sure. Um, I'm Stacy Bavona, and uh, we have locations in both Nebraska and Colorado. Um, I am second generation ownership to the company. My father started the company in 1977 out of Kearney, Nebraska, and um as a company, we are um, very pro-oriented, so we're about 80-20% pro um, to the, the 20% of a retail or a DIY customer. We have um, the pro-retail. We also do some manufacturing, like Melanie had stated, so we, um, we do trusses, and we also do some countertop fabricating in, in Nebraska. 
My primary role is within Nebraska, and I oversee um, all of the uh, operations, our four locations in the, the Nebraska market. All right. Elliot, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, uh, briefly a little bit about J.C. Licht? Yeah, J.C. Licht was founded in 1907 by the Licht family, um, built a great heritage of service uh, to the community and to painting contractors and retail customers throughout Chicagoland. Uh, J.C. Licht was purchased by Benjamin Moore in 2000. Uh, they decided to own stores, um, and then in 2000. 15, they decided to unown stores. Uh, so uh, they came to me. Um, I was an executive at Rings End, which is a, a phenomenal uh, lumber and paint outfit in Connecticut. Um, and I was there for 20 years. And they came to me and said, would you be interested in purchasing uh, JC Lift? We kind of messed it up. It's losing a lot of money. And do you want to take it over? Um, and I said, sure, that would be fun. Um, so at 57 years old, I moved to Chicago. My kids were getting older and it's been the experience of my life. It's been amazing uh, seven years um, of building something that really was something great at one point, wasn't completely destroyed, but we always say it's a hundred plus year startup because we rebuilt it since 2015 and it's all with the team we built. Like I have a great team. I have three of my team members here and we built a phenomenal team and a culture and that's what we worked on really hard. So we now have 57 locations, including uh, 10 aces, um, a little diversity in our business model, but we're mostly contractors, 70% contractor with the ace acquisitions and uh, we're getting more retail focused, but we do have a great window treatment business. So we are retail conscious, but our volume is more contractor. Um, but um, excited about the future. Um, we got a young team, got my son in the business now. So um, we have a lot of growth opportunities and love to be involved in this organization and participate here. And very, very honored to have this um, honor today. Great, thank you. Uh, Pat, tell us a little bit about Sullivan Hardware. Well, first I would say is if we have any contractor business, it's just an accident. <laughs> so we are a retail business, uh, started just as a hardware store in 1954. And in uh, 1990, as the box stores started to, to move into Indianapolis, my father was smart enough to get out and sell it to me and leave me with the uh, Lowe's that moved in down the street. And, and our business was always fine, but it was softening through the 90s. You know, you could kind of just kind of get that feel that uh, we got a lot of what I called sympathy business, which is... People would come in and go, I always bought our hardware from your daddy, which is fine. And it spends and we rang it up. But really, we wanted people to be excited to come in our store. And so that's when we started moving towards what can we be the best at? And we picked five things that we could try to be to own the market in. Always be a good basic hardware store, but then to be a leader in, in our case, it was green goods, uh, patio furniture, artificial Christmas trees, which is an odd one, fireplaces and uh, grills, which we were already pretty well established. We failed at the fireplace business. So it's always important to uh, point out your uh, failures, I think, because you got to keep swinging at it. But everything else has worked really well. And uh, then we just kind of moved on. And then uh, here came the Internet came around, of course. And uh, then we tried to figure out how do we get people into our store? Our, our mantra was, Will people get dressed for this? Will they get out of their pajamas to come in our store? So, and that's how we develop some of the entertainment things that, uh, whether it's the uh, Sullivan Express Christmas train or, you know, we just have 
I mean, we the, everything you can imagine in an event. We have the country's only celebration of coleslaw. Draws about three or four hundred people. It is really a fun event. If you're ever in the Indy, you should come. It <laughs> changed the, uh, you know, everyone has a mac and cheese fest, right? No one has a coleslaw festival. So there you go. You know, I didn't used to like coleslaw, but it's kind of a life goal to try every coleslaw that's available to me. So I think I found where I need to be. I'll get you a ticket. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so the theme of this year's event is uh, investing in people, products, and technology. So I kind of wanted to touch on all of those themes with these three innovators that we have on stage today. Um, Elliot, can you talk a little bit about uh, the development of the core values of JC Licht and how that kind of defines your, your people strategy? Sure, sure. So, um, like I said, we had to have a turnaround. Uh, when I first came there, the culture was the first thing I had to focus on, and the culture was not good. It was very corporate. We didn't make it happen. We said no a lot. Um, I don't think our people were very happy. They didn't feel there was a big future for them. Uh, so, um, I had to get through the team that I inherited. It took me a few years to understand the business, understand our strengths and weaknesses. And um, I tried to, at the beginning, be the reason we changed our culture. I spent a lot of time in the stores with our employees, with our customers. I went out all the time with the customer and I spoke about my vision, our vision. Um, and it took me about two or three years to find a team that could take me to another level and we could share the vision. Uh, we came up with our core values by looking at our outstanding employees and just taking their best attributes and we put them on a board and we quickly came up with our five core values. So it was really just looking at our most outstanding people who we admire and respect and taking their qualities. And we live and die by it. It's big signs in all our buildings. We carry it around all the time. On onboarding, every Monday we have onboarding. I talk about it all the time. We speak about it. We chuck ourselves at the door every morning that we want to do that. And we want to be servant leaders. We want to respect each other. We want to be passionate. Uh, everybody's equally important. These are all part of our core values and we believe it. And I think our people for the most part have learned to love it and understand that's how we hire. That's how we fire. That's how we take care of our customers. We even talk about it with our customers and share it. So it's been our big big motivational factor for growth because one of our core values is everybody wants to have an opportunity to grow. We can't have that if we bring people in and tell them we're not opening new stores or buying new stores. So it's a combination of the growth and just living on those those core values. Uh, Pat, can you talk a little bit about people maybe from a customer perspective and, and just because this whole philosophy you have of of you want Sullivan to be a place for where people have fun and where people you said you know, get dressed to come. Yeah, I mean, so the, our whole thing is kind of a, we want to be you know obviously our our business is we're still selling merchandise that is the uh, the business I mean but if we can get and we have created at especially two of our the other odd thing that we have is we have four stores and all four of them are different which uh, from a marketing standpoint becomes a little difficult but two of the uh, bigger stores that are uh, you know have large nursery yards and and different things it's we be, have become a place that people just, they may not have anything on their list. They may not be saying, hey, let's go to Sullivan's. We got to pick up something. It might be, let's go to Sullivan's and have lunch and then we'll walk around. And so we do have a lot of, because of our restaurants are, are pretty successful, a lot of uh, groups to get together for lunch and then they go shopping. Or it's literally just something for people to do, to uh, to come to our stores. And that's kind of the what we've created. And then in the meantime, 
we obviously, we sell things. The Christmas train uh, at our Keystone location had 50,000 riders. And so with 50,000 people in your store riding, they buy stuff. So our transaction count when we started it skyrocketed and our, our dollars per ticket went down because they're picking up a Yeti cup. They're picking up a toy for a grandkid. They're, you know, so they're picking up an ornament. So, but it, that kind of volume of people coming, coming in, it, it just, we sell merchandise because a lot of times people, my, my, uh, some of my hardware owner friends think that it's just that we're just a big entertainment venue and that we don't have a focus on merchandise, but we still, that is the idea. We are still selling merchandise. Now there's some things that we have given up and said, Hey, you know what? That's not our bag. Like you would not buy a power tool from us. We have the basics and power tools, but at low margin, it's just not our bag. So we don't, you know, I always tell my friends, go, you don't want to come here for a power tool. People still do steal them. So we have that many power tools, but we just, you know, we, we just pick and choose what we want to own. I mean, artificial Christmas trees, we kind of analyze that. I know that's an odd thing. It's like, so every store in the city, every box store will put up 20 to 25 artificial Christmas trees. We have 150 so we own that market. The margins are very high. When you bring in, we sell eight containers of artificial Christmas trees. The margin is about 57% on them. So be, and they have to be, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, of, of waste, not waste, but there's leftovers. There's, you know, all there's labor to it. So, but we own that market and people come from all over Indiana to buy Christmas trees. So that's kind of how we've, we've gone about it. Uh, Stacy, can you talk a little bit about, you know, as builders as a family business and the second generation, so can you kind of talk about how that family dynamic plays into, you know, the rest of your staff and, and kind of your hiring philosophy? Yeah, sure. Um, our family, we're a very passionate family. I feel like um, between my brother, father, and I, we really wear our heart on our sleeves. So uh, we feel so passionately for the people on our team and that have worked for us for um, 45 years or even just the last three months. So um, we really try to encourage uh, our team members into um, to staying with us in growth, um, career pathing through the company. Um, again, with our Nebraska and Colorado uh, locations, we have two different locations that we could potentially interest them in. And um you know, it is, it is really culture and we try to map out the entire sales process and how it affects our team members and um, really trusting our team throughout the entire customer experience. So um, we, we really try to um, foster the relationships between our team members than to our customers and also including our vendors. So we really look at it, all three of those as, as one big part of our builders family. Yeah. Um, so uh, Stacey, I'm gonna stick with you to talk a little bit about product strategy and sourcing. You have a really unique operation um, and you recently are, well, are kind of in the middle of this big uh, renovation of the Kearney location. So can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in that renovation and what you're trying to achieve? Sure. So um, again, going back to our vendors, we um, are 
very, very comfortable and have great relationships with our vendors. So I do believe over the last couple of years, that has really what has made us strong. And Dave Hoagland sitting in the audience and he is uh, the leader of that charge. He has such deep connections with our vendors and um, Dave, I thank you every day for it. So um, again, these vendors are part of our builders family. We couldn't do it without them. So as Melanie mentioned, we are in the deep throes of um, a remodel and it wasn't the greatest time to start our remodel. Um, again, the Carney store is our largest and we have a hardware store and also a full-on um, design center, design and selection center. And that's more of the full remodel and new home construction. So there's, there's kind of a two part to the store. Well, with the um, difficulties in a supply channel and whatnot, specifically on the um, building materials side, meaning cabinets, uh, the countertops, some appliances, that's been very difficult as there has been a delay on um, ordering displays. So we've been limping through with half of our remodel with um, using what we have and it's, and it's worked, but we really couldn't have done it without the support of um, of our existing uh, vendors and getting the su- the supplies for our contractors. These again, relationships are absolutely sacred to us, and we can trust them very much. Sure. Elliot, can you talk a little bit about kind of your product uh, strategy for you know getting products into? such a vast, you know, so many stores and, and meeting the needs in each of those communities. Yeah, sure. So um, we have 50, um, 47 paint stores now. Um, we're lucky um, to have a very big warehouse. Our facility, our corporate facility has a commercial store and a warehouse and we have close to 80,000 square feet and we're using every inch during this period. So we buy product when we could get it and um, we just grab it and we've just said we want to have what our competitor doesn't have so for us 80 percent of our business is paint and paint sundries and our vendors like you just said stacy mean everything to us like they're our partners and every vendor i deal with i've dealt with pretty much my whole career over 40 years so i i keep my vendors they're part of my family they're part of our family and they've been really supportive of us so um, i'm not saying we get all their product but They've been coming through for us and um, we just, during the height of it, and paint now is really a challenge. Um, there are certain raw materials that just can't be found for manufacturers. So we get what we can and we also have each store every morning placing orders. So the store managers want products. So not if we don't have it in the warehouse, they're out there going for it. The other thing that's really helped us, we have about 70 vehicles between all our stores on the road and we have 34 outside sales reps. So we have a real team atmosphere about getting product to our customers. We're a 70% contractor. A lot of our contractors need paint at five in the morning, six in the morning. We open up three locations at 3.30 with a highly efficient and very experienced staff. Cost us a lot of money to do that, but that's how we get our trucks out. Now, what we have to do, because we can't fill the orders out of those three big stores, we have to run around to our other stores and pick up the product. So we just work harder than everybody, and we just do more to get it done. We make it happen. We never say no to an order and we find our way. And it's I thought no- you said three thirty. 
3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I don't do it, but I have people who do it. You know, I'm still sleeping at 3.30, but, um, but we do. And um, we are very proud of that. And the people who do that, they're, they're warriors. Okay. They do it every day and they do it with a smile on their face and they love what they do. Um, and we, you know, a lot of times I talk to our big contractors and I say, what are your pain points? And they tell me, well, Sherwin, I shouldn't say that, our main competitor, who is very large, you guys know, can't get us product all the time. We have seven, eight deliveries a day. Some of our customers need 12 to 15 deliveries a day. Okay. So I said, well, we can figure that. And they go, how are you going to do that? I go, give me a day. Okay. So that's how we came up with the 330 concept, right? We just have to start earlier. We have to get more vehicles. We get trucks whenever we can get vans. We just get them. You know, we order 20 at a time and hope they come in over, you know, because that's not coming too quickly either. So, and there is nobody, this is my store. I don't want to give up my inventory. There is not anybody in our company that has a selfish bone in their body. It's all about getting it right for the customers. And I'm really proud of that, how we dealt through uh, this whole situation. And again, Avendis helped us, but our people really stood up and they don't complain about it. You hear all the time, oh, it's so hard. I can't get material. Our people look at it as a challenge, not as a problem. We will outdo our competition because we're going to work harder at doing it. So between the space and the warehouse, which we fill up as much as we can, the, the stores ordering every day and our people working as a team. And we put it, our senior team puts it in their car. We just get the paint to people. So um, that's how we've dealt with it. And it's it really helped us gain a lot of market share during this period. Sure. Uh, Pat, if you go back to the store and tell your people they're going to start at 3.30, what do you think their response would be? Well, uh, <laughs> they first would say, no, we're busy before 3.30 in the afternoon. And then, oh, yeah. then I'd have to explain, no, 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's not kind of the retail. We, we open at 8, sometimes <laughs> 5 after. Yeah. Depending on who's opening. Um, so, Pat, your store is kind of built on this kind of niche. Uh, you know, it's, it's a destination for gifts. Like you said, people just come to hang out and shop. So can you tell us a little, just a little bit about your strategy for finding those kind of niche or, or unique items? Yeah, you know, trying to that is so important to us to find unique items. Uh, we we uh, matter of fact, at this show, we've found a few things that uh, we're very interested in. We spent a, we sent a really big team to Atlanta to the gift market. Uh, to buy, uh, like say, gift is a, a very large department, but pat or uh, patio is very big, and then also our grill department. It's not just grills; it's all the stuff that goes with grills. I don't know how many sauces and rubs that we have in our place, but it's, I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars selling, you know, these these different rubs and different things. And you know, I always look at them and think, how can they be that different? But People always swear by one brand and, and different things, but uh, just those unique things. And sometimes we can do things that are stupid. So, uh, for example, when we go to Atlanta, if you've not been to the gift market, there's a lot of uh, generally every booth will give you a margarita. And so we were drinking margaritas in a booth and it was late in the day. It was the first day and we were very tired. And we ended up we were selling uh, live frogs. So it's a container that had two little miniature frogs in it and it came all together. And at the time it seemed like it made good sense. So luckily we did sell out of the frogs and then uh, had a small, uh, you know, social media storm about selling frogs. You're not a pet store. 
So, but, uh, so, but, you know, you make those mistakes. Sometimes uh, things seem really good, but we just keep swinging at it. So whether it's a, a unique item, uh, we, you know, our stores have six beers on tap, two of our, two of our stores. So, you know, that atmosphere, they come to the beer window, they grab a beer or a glass of wine and, the, and they go shopping. And then we hope that the same thing happens to us in Atlanta will happen to them. And, and that's how we sold the frogs. So. Great, great. Uh, so let's talk about how technology has maybe changed over the last couple of years or impacted your operations. Um, Elliot, can you talk a little bit about kind of your technology strategy and, and how you kind of keep all your all your stores connected? Yeah, well, we have a, a lot of challenges on technology and we have a really strong team. Uh, when I came here, we outsourced it. Over the last three years, we have an IT director and we have two teammates. Um, so it's become obviously from zero to three. It's a pretty big investment. Um, so everything we do is to get the customer in and out in a, in a, easy way. Everything we do is so our back end could do the work. They could receive material. They could place their orders uh, timely. It's efficiency in a paint store is everything. It's um, You don't want to have too many people, but you want to have them at the right time and the right time of day. Um, so the idea, they're placing orders every day. They're getting orders out on trucks. So I think we're at the beginning stages of getting it right, to be honest with you. We have a long way to go, but the investment will be there. Um, and again, it's it's employee. We have, we call it internal customers and external customers. So our internal customers are our people, our family members, and we have to make their jobs easier. We got to make, it's really hard to work in a paint store, especially at 3.30 in the morning. So um, we have to make it so much easier for them because the more we complicate things, the more they're going to get frustrated and the customer is going to see it. On the customer side, we have to have everything for them so they could go and they know exactly what we have in stock all the time and that we get them out so quickly because our contractors are losing money every time they're in our store and they don't get out. And remember, we're manufacturing everything we do because in a way, every single gallon of paint we sell, a 90% has to be made and then delivered or picked up. So we even streamline that process. We have a tint module program that's unique to the industry that most people don't even know about, and we couldn't do without it. So it just makes the whole process work smoother. Um, so it's a process. We're not there yet, but um, operationally, the more stores we have, the more we have to have connectivity. And now we have a new challenge because we're doing A stores and we're very excited about it, but we have two different platforms. So we're working very hard on that. It's probably put us a little back on some of the other projects, but once we get through with that, we'll, we'll move forward on the others. Sure. Uh, Stacy, so one thing that, that you and I have talked about a little bit previously is that your customer base shifted so much over the last couple of years where you were seeing a lot more retail traffic come in. Um, and right now, you said you're working on updating your website so that it can kind of serve both uh, both customer bases a little better. Can you talk about kind of what your thought process was going into that website renovation and how you think it'll serve those customers? Sure. Um, and just like most other people with the uh, people staying home and uh, by the grace of God, we all remained uh, open for the most part. So people were coming in to do some home remodels. And so our traffic and sales obviously picked up on the DIY side of things. So that was great. 
Uh, we knew in the beginning, even prior to COVID, that uh, we were well on our way to a website uh, facelift. And uh, just like, again, a lot of other people, we had to be, uh, we had to pivot, we had to react, we had to react quickly. Um, for those of our customers who needed um, paint, delivered to their home because they needed to stay home. They, they didn't feel comfortable going out, but they wanted to paint their home. We would do those deliveries. We um, had a customer uh, pickup area. We had a um, where they could come into the store if they felt comfortable or it would be delivered to their car in the parking lot. So um, we did pivot and, and do that on uh, immediately. So on our website, again, still still under construction, uh, we're going to add more e-commerce. We're going to add more of our catalog. So both the pro customer and our retail DIY customer can have um, a more um, vast look at the the products that we carry, the categories we have um, to even include the design center oriented items, the countertops, the uh, the counter uh, countertops and cabinetry, all the different selections that we have there. So, be more um, robust in our in our selection and offerings online. Great, uh, Pat. I can imagine that you spend most of your day uh, on Instagram. So, uh, can so when we were chatting a couple of weeks ago, you know, you were kind of talking about how your focus, as far as technology is concerned, is is putting yourself out there, putting the business out there on social media to bring people in and show them kind of what fun it is. So can you talk a little bit about how uh, your team that manages social media does that? Uh, yeah, we, we do try. I mean, social media, you know, I think our the, your first thought is, hey, here's a shovel. It's on sale. And you put that on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And you realize, well, if you kind of watch a lot of, you know, I watch a lot of hardware stores, there's no reaction to it. I mean, it's like, it's a shovel. And so what we're trying to do is really build our base. And, and sometimes that's just building your image, building your image as a fun place. Our social media, we have some young people that uh, do a really good job. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, we have to hold them back just a little bit. The uh, the famous slap of Will Smith, they they had one ready to go the next day where I was going to slap somebody that had made fun of one of our gift items. I said, nah, it's probably too soon, probably too soon. So, but it, you know, the, that's the, the reaction and, and yes. And then building that brand and building the fun and the experience that gets people in. And, and yes, obviously we, we talk about products, but we try to do it in a, in a fun way. As far you know, our technology, technology is going to be really hard for s- smaller people, smaller stores. I mean, look at Southwest. Anybody fly Southwest out here? <laughs> our flight was canceled because of technology. And if Southwest can't handle technology, sometimes I wonder, well, how, you know, so and while I don't think that, I mean, I guess we get to the point we do sell items online, but I think it'll probably be, I don't think it'll ever be, you know, just general hardware items. I think it'll be, you know, some of our, our decor items and and different things, because, you know, the side that is 
all about selling items. Think how crowded that is, that side, whether it's Amazon, everybody's selling online. Even our vendors are, are, we compete against a lot of our vendors as they sell online. That space is really crowded. The idiot side over here where you're just having fun and creating your brand is a little easier because, you know, that side, they're fighting over that and, and we're over creating you know, an experience so that we can get people into our store. So we, you know, what the future for technology? Yeah, we, we continue to swing at it, but it's difficult. It really is for, for us. So we choose to focus on bringing people into our brick and mortars. And uh, so far, it's been really successful for us. May I comment on social yeah, media? Absolutely. Um, I agree with what you said, Pat. Um, and I just wanted to share that with the rest of the group that do not underestimate the power of social media and um, the power of your brand. And when you have a good team member who is managing that social media platform for you, make sure you spend a lot of time with them and they understand, fully understand the culture, the company, where you're taking it, what you're doing, what the goals and objectives are. Because that is a very, very loud voice that is being projected to countless people. So whether they, they like your page or not. So I do think it's extremely important. And in uh, our voice behind Builders, uh, he's here today, Adam Goodwin. He's on our marketing team and he does a fantastic job. And what we saw over these last couple of years is people thought we were cool. I mean, we had some fun. Well, I've, we I've always thought you were cool, but. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks, Pat. Yeah. But um, yeah, just some of the different things that we were putting out there, quotes from customers, uh, both retail and contractor, um, our team members, uh, some throwback pictures, just any of those fun things. And again, pop culture and relevancy. It's like, oh, yeah, they're with it. They get it. Um, and just those kitschy things. But the voice of your brand has so much power. And when people think that, oh, yeah, that's a cool store. Yeah, I shop there. They tell their friends. I shop there. Yeah, great. So the, the overall theme of all of this today is investing. So I want to kind of go down the line and kind of ask each, each panelist, what are you investing in coming up? Um, so Stacey, we kind of touched on it a little bit with this with this renovation and, and the showroom. And I really want people to know what the end result is going to be in this in this Carney store. And then tell us a little bit about, you know, what's further down the line for builders uh, at large. So um, what we're doing on the remodel front is 100% focused on the customer's experience. Um, we want to, someone who's doing a, um, a remodel or a new home construction, we want all of the adjacencies to those departments and where they're making those selections from the exteriors of their home throughout the interiors and everything. Because uh, what we provide is basically a one-stop shop. You can uh, make all of your selections for your uh, new home construction in one place. So um, that is that is definitely one is the customer experience from the homeowner's perspective, our pro contractors perspective, the DIY customers perspective, as well as um, our team members, because uh, it's very important to us, our truck drivers who are making these deliveries, they are the last ones 
to to have an interface with that customer. So it, it their cut level of customer service is extremely important to us because it's again telling uh, the story of builders and how uh, we are a, a a servant company. We we want to service you and make your job easier. So um, and then with that, I mean, long term investment. Uh, investing in our people. I mean, I think everyone, it's, it's top of mind with where labor is at. It's, it's, it's tough. It's extremely hard. And right now our primary focus is we're investing in our people because if without our people, we don't have customers and without, uh, our, our customers, we no longer then have the vendors that are providing, uh, the material for us. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an ever evolving thing, but investing in our people is our, is our priority. Elliot, what's next on the on the investment side for you? Well, I'll, I'll uh, second your perspective on investment. It's all about our people. Um, through your organization, you've helped us with building a training program, and we have a full-time trainer now. And we're recruiting very heavily, and we're getting some outstanding young talent. We're also grabbing a lot of people from other industries. Um, they might be in retail, but they weren't in paint and hardware. So there's a lot of training involved. So the investment, number one, is people building a better onboarding process, a better engagement process, a better recruiting process. We're pr- I'm very proud of where we've come so far, but we really think we still have um, a ways to go, especially on the training side, um, especially our young people. They want to move quickly. Um, you could lose them quickly if you don't give them that opportunity to move. So you have to constantly engage them, let them know if they're on the right track or not on the right track. Um, also makes decisions if they're not going to be the person to go forward. You just be honest and you move fo- move away and you just bring in someone else. So we have a big growth strategy and people ask, why do we want to grow so quickly and so big? And it's because the only way we could get outstanding people is to promise them advancement and growth and a better life. Most of our people come to us, especially in Chicagoland, that they didn't go to college in many cases. They didn't they didn't have the opportunities because they didn't have the family that could afford to send them to college, but they have so many other great qualities and they have guts and they're smart and they're hardworking. And uh, we have great diversity in our workforce and the opportunity to give them a great career and a lifestyle um, it's very important to all of us. So we are opening a lot of stores. We have a plan to see it open six or seven new stores. Uh, we acquired uh, 10 already this year. Um, so our focus is investment in people and in new locations. Do you think you're drinking too much caffeine? I mean, no, I like this every day. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Have you ever thought like when you open a new store, like to lay down until the feeling passes? No, Uh, just check. You know what? Some people like drugs. I like opening new stores. It's that simple. Um, You know, I mean, that's just how I am. And uh, I get tremendous joy. We walk my teams here and they know we do a new store or we take over a store. We turn it around in like a day. Right, Chair? We we have the whole team, senior team. We work two days in a row and then we see what we did and then we see how it grows. And it's like, you know, you see a store you open from scratch and it's really not very good at the beginning. No store you open from scratch. They all come flying in, especially, you know, but we do a lot of pre-work with contractors. And every morning I get the figures at 3, 3.30 in the morning and we're moving the dial. We're moving the dial a little bit, right? And to see a store that started doing $400,000 to go up to eight, to go to a million two, it's like 
growing a child, right? You, you, and it's, that's how I look. My people are my children and my stores are my children. And, um, it's how I feel. And just growth is really exciting to me. And I have no fear of it. So. I think I can speak for everyone here that we would really want to hang out with you. <laughs> I would like to hang out with you yeah. too. So we will get together. Don't worry. All right, Pat. So uh, if, if you don't have the same exact passion for, you know, expanding to 50 something stores, uh, what's your investment plan? Uh, you know, the, and you guys covered people and people obviously are very important, but also your f- facility is really important. We are constantly upgrading. So we, we bought this, this, uh, it's a big garden center north of Indianapolis and it was, it's in a really fast growing, uh, County and and you know we have we have four of our children are in our business and thought it was important to get a footprint in this in this county and that business is forty four years old well has a very good reputation but I mean it you talk about delayed maintenance and it just I really feel like the owner felt like if he took a dollar and invested it in the business that he just lost a dollar so. I think, you know, we have now, matter of fact, I didn't quite know. I took a, a loan out for a million and a half dollars for improvements. And I knew it had gone over because, you know, you keep doing more and more because you want to get it to the way you want it. Uh, and it turns out that I've spent $2.9 million on that uh, piece of property. But it's like, and we continue in our Keystone location, we're continuing to improve. And, you know, and it does that, that comes back to you. It really does. Our whole goal is to emotionally attach our customers to our store. We want them to have that feeling. An example, we, we two of our stores have a uh, kind of event space they can use during, uh, you know, we have it's kind of a strange piece of property, but we have these outbuildings and, you know, people generally every weekend there's wedding showers or birthday parties or something. Sometimes you can be at work and have no idea that there's an event going on. But so we, you know, we rent our space out, but emotionally attaching people through that, the Christmas train, I mean, already it's 70 in its seventh year, it'll be our eighth year this, this season. And you can tell people really, they, they really feel attached to, you know, if we put that uh, picture of a, one of our Sullivan Express trains on social media, it gets a lot of buzz because people really feel uh, passion for that train. When the ticket, the tickets go on sale at four o'clock in the afternoon on November 1st, everybody says, why, why four o'clock in the afternoon? We don't know either, but that's when they go on sale. We sold 1700 tickets in three minutes in the first three minutes. So people, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do. We actually hosted, which I did not know either. Our first, uh, celebration of life for one of our customers who had passed away and, I saw the ashes coming through the store and they had a reception back in our event space because he loved our store. He loved the store. So they thought, what other place to have his uh, celebration of life? And then in the place he hung out. Also, anybody do popcorn in their stores? That's the one good thing the pandemic did. I can't do popcorn anymore. You know how everybody used the pandemic to get rid of things that you didn't want to do? We haven't brought that popcorn back. But a, a guy came in, he goes, hey, you don't know me, but my father was a really good customer and he came in your store and he loved getting the popcorn and he came in every week and he passed away. I said, I'm sorry. And we found him in his, in his wood shop and inside of his, his jacket was a half eaten bag of your popcorn. 
He goes, we buried them with it. <laughs> there you go. Wow. So. That's, that wasn't quite the note I thought we would end on today. I thought they um, covered everything else. I was just yeah. trying to kill time. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. That is this year's uh, Top Guns panel. So thanks so much, everybody, for joining us.